Hello and welcome to the 11 Percenters Podcast, where a Jew, two Brits, and an average Joe talk all things basketball. I'm Joey. I'm Johnny. Ankit and Bobby aren't here today. Ankit's in Michigan for the Michigan-Wisconsin football game, and Bobby's studying for midterm, so it's just going to be me and Johnny here today to provide you guys with a comprehensive preview of the NBA season as the preseason winds down. So let's just jump right into it. Definitely. Uh, Jimmy Butler situation up in Minnesota. This is an absolute show. I really don't know what's going on up there. But I don't think anyone does. Yeah, no one does. It's just, I feel so bad for the organization, honestly. I mean, yeah, they probably mishandled this whole thing. But I just feel like Jimmy's going in and he just wants money. The two guys that he mentioned yeah. in his interview with Rachel Nichols were Cat and Wiggins. And both of those guys have gotten paid and Jimmy hasn't. And the three teams that he named are all teams that can give him money and he can be the number one guy. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the in, all the insight we pretty much need on the situation is in the interview that he gave uh, Rachel Nichols the same day as the whole practice stuff happened, which we'll definitely get into in a second. Um, this is a quote from Butler saying, it's about saying we need you, we want you here, we can't do this without you. And I think, uh, I'm echoing what you're saying, I think he just needs that contract to keep him there, um, that support from the organization, definitely financially. Um, and I think that's essentially what's what's going to convince him to stay there and, and end this rest of a situation. Um, but going into that practice, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in across all sports. No, you know, that's, we haven't. That's in, insane. Um, you know, showing up there, playing with the, with the bench squad, playing with the, against the starters, and saying, "This is me. I'm Jerry Butler. I'm going to screw you guys up, and I'm going to make make my you know my mer- like after after leaving for so long." After going AWOL for two months, showing up there and beating their ass, I think it's the best best thing Jimmy Butler could do. Oh, yeah. And all the reports were saying that he was by far the best player on the court. It was yeah. the best practice that the Timberwolves have had. And that's what Jimmy Butler brings to whatever team he plays for. He brings Definitely. a ton of heart, a ton of energy, and he makes the players around him better. And I, I feel like it's stupid for Minnesota to trade him now because yeah. they're not going to get a guy back in any trade situation yeah. that can do what he can do. Yeah. But then on the same – on the other side of the coin – if they don't trade him, he's going to walk next year. And so then you're getting nothing out of it and you're losing a top 20 player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, at this point, especially after the whole practice situation happened, I don't think they'll see many offers coming their way, many realistic offers coming their way. Um, I think that the fact that their reporters, you know, sidelined at their practice kind of will hurt the organization going forward. The fact that the story broke so quickly and the interviews were given so quickly teams don't really want to add like you know of course he's he's a superstar he has all the energy in the world all the skill in the world but i think it's tough for a team like miami for example to give up some of their best assets in bam adebayo and, and josh richardson you know going forward bringing a guy in on a one-year deal who might even walk next year like you know he's very unstable as we can see now i think that teams will find it hard to fully commit to this, this jimmy Butler situation so i don't see him leaving this year um, I think Minnesota should really put all their strengths into trying to keep him there. I think that they should, you know, they had a decent season last year, not the best, not where they want to be, you know, after that first round exit. And I think they're, they're going in the right direction if he does stay there. Um, if Butler does want to win, which, you know, that's what he's saying in the public eye, but we're not too sure about, you know, we talked about this earlier. The teams that he were given were teams that, the teams that, the, you know, the list that he gave to the organization are teams that aren't going to win in the next five, 10 years. Like, that's that's pretty obvious. Well, maybe in 10 years, but um, I think that's pretty obvious that they're not going to win within his, um, you know, career frame. So, 
I think the, the Timberwolves should really just invest in trying to keep him there. For yeah. sure. No, I agree. I, I, I mean, they're not going to trade him now. Yeah. The season starts on Tuesday. It's not going to be some early season trade. I just can't see the Timberwolves doing that. But I could see them, like, the season doesn't go the way they want. Yeah. They're kind of on the fringe of the playoffs or maybe, like, outside the playoffs looking in even. Yeah. And then... Uh, come trade deadline, they send him to a contender who can give him some picks. Mm-hmm. Like a, a team like Philadelphia, who's set on winning now, and they'll roll the dice trying to get Butler for this year and then maybe make a push in the East. I can see that happening. But um, there's just so much uncertainty surrounding all of this that it's so hard to tell. And honestly, that's what makes this story so intriguing because yeah. it just the story keeps changing and you have no idea where he's going to go. Like a week ago, I was certain that Butler was going to get traded. Mm-hmm. Now I... I'm not. Yeah. It's it's such a fun story to follow, partly because we don't know a ton about it. Definitely. I mean, going into the season now, you know, we're starting on Tuesday. This locker room is going to be the most f***ed up locker room. I think we'll see, you know, we were talking about the Lakers earlier on a couple of weeks ago being like the most insane locker room. The dynamics going to be weird, but this is know, the, Timberwolves, the Timberwolves have won that for sure. <laughs> um, and I think it's definitely going to hurt them. I think that um, players are going to find it hard to kind of commit to what Thibodeau is doing, you know, with the leadership. Um, Jimmy Butler is obviously not going to be totally present. Um, and I think they might might struggle in the first couple of weeks of the season, which we'll see long-term implications of that for sure. Uh, moving on to the Denver Nuggets. Last year, missed the playoffs by a game. They finished three games back of Portland, who got the three seed, and they were a lottery team. I think this year the Nuggets have a serious chance to break into that upper half of the Western Conference. This team is scary. I mean, uh, Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA, and no one really recognizes that. Yeah, I think that his physical build kind of puts people off, but, you know, there's been tons of big men in the league that have said that, you know, Jokic is one of the hardest players to defend. No, yeah, he is. He can do everything on the court. He can score. He can rebound. He's one of the best passers in the NBA, which is terrifying because he's a seven-footer. I mean, yeah, his defense is a little lackluster, but offensively, he is one of the toughest players to match up with. Yeah, I mean, we saw that in the Nuggets, you know, first game this season. They they took on, like, the Lakers in LeBron's debut. Really tough situation to be in and improve yourself. But Jokic made it hard for JaVale McGee. And that's saying the absolute least. I mean, the guy completely dominated him at 14 points in the first game, 20 points in the second, and played limited minutes. Um, and, you know, we didn't see too much from JaVale as well. Um, but huge shout-out to Mason Plumley. I mean, 19 minutes in the second game, 23 points against the Lakers at Staples. Shocking, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Incredible. And we're not even mentioning, I mean, who I think is their best player and a superstar going forward, Jamal Murray. Oh, yeah. I think he's an unbelievable player. I think he's improving. He's, he's, he said he's improved his jump shot in the offseason. And, you know, I think we're going to see a lot from him going into the season, for sure. No, this team is honestly on paper terrifying. I mean, you have Murray, you have Gary Harris, Will Barton. Yeah. Paired with Jokic and Millsap, that's a terrifying starting five. And then you have Definitely. a guy who finished fifth in MVP voting two seasons ago, yeah. and Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench. Like This team can be one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and I, I honestly think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Because they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder all season because they were one of the league's best teams last year. I mean, top 15 teams, like in the upper half, yeah. and they missed the playoffs and didn't get a chance to play on the biggest stage in the NBA, which they deserve to yeah and i mean even if this season doesn't go to plan which you know it could happen an injury here an injury there 
changes the whole story. But going forward, I mean, they have a really young core, a core of app, like incredible players. I'm a huge Hernan Gomez fan as well. Um, and obviously Michael Porter Jr. coming back or coming into the NBA now, I think will be a huge addition for them once he's healthy. Uh, and they could be, you know, a team to reckon with and a force to reckon with going into the, the latter years of this, this, yeah, going into the next few years. Yeah. For sure. Now let's move on to the Lakers. So it's time. Yeah. LeBron James is Jeez. in LA. It's happening. Still looks weird. It it's so weird to yeah. look at him in the purple and gold. Yeah. But all right, so LeBron is here. Yeah. Did he make the right call going to LA? Um right now I th- I want to say yes. Uh they're playing some really attractive basketball. I it's quick. They're really doing fun. everything well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, the, the level obviously is in there yeah. know, with the, with the role players, you know, they're not, they're not the best. I think they're the most physical team LeBron's played with um, in terms of just athleticism. I think you have players that are built incredibly well all over the court, which I think will be interesting to see how, how that'll affect, you know, defensively going, you know, taking the pressure off the board a little bit. Um, but yeah, just that speed they're playing with, you know, literally six seven eight second basketball like insane oh yeah um throwing lobs i mean lebron to lonzo in that warriors game a couple of days ago was really fun to see um you see lance kind of easing the defensive pressure off lebron as well and i think he'll he'll actually be you know they seem to kind of gel quite well uh which is something that maybe we won't see off the court yeah uh, but on the court i mean they're, they're you know they, they play incredibly well together for sure um i, I love the way they transition the ball like it's a you know, from steals, from boards, you know, they're, they're actually kind of, they're doing really well on the glass, on their glass and the offensive glass as well. Um, so I think, you know, they're definitely a team to watch. I think they're going to have a good season. I mean, I think they're going to break that 50 win mark. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, they have the depth and I think we'll see a lot of growth from the younger players as well. Like, you know, from every player that's played with LeBron, you saw Jetty Osmond's post, for example, at the end of the season, how much he meant him, how much he's developed him as a player. When LeBron's in the gym, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball are going to be in there with him. They want to learn. I I, I hope they want to learn yeah. from you know one of the great or the greatest player of all time in my opinion. Um, with the best practice routines, with his health routine, I think that going into the season we won't see that dip from the Lakers that we saw you know towards January February of last season. Um, and having those you know older veterans around you, I think will definitely help. And I don't think this. I mean, this isn't a championship year for LeBron. No. I think. LeBron knew that unless he went to Golden State or Boston, yeah. he wasn't winning a championship this year. But Or Philly. Or Philly, yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I mean, any team with LeBron is gonna be a good team. So I don't think this is a rebuilding year for them. I yeah. mean, some people, like in articles that I've read, have been saying that this is a rebuilding year. Yeah. Which I don't think it is. I think it's a building year. Like they're just good this is a developmental year for the younger guys. And this is Kind of like LeBron's time where he can prove, like, look, I just had a great year when I was 33. Now I'm 34 and I can still do this and there's no signs that I'll be slowing down. So then next year in free agency when the Lakers have a bunch of cap space again, they can go out and sign a guy like a Kevin Durant or a Clay Thompson or whoever, like whatever superstars are kind of intrigued by the Lakers and then they can start the next wave of the Lakers dynasty. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, this is going to be one of the most entertaining teams to watch because they're not going to win every game, but LeBron is just a wizard when it comes to playing basketball. Everything he does is incredible. Like, I love LeBron and I'm in the same boat. I think LeBron's the greatest player to ever play the game. Yeah. It's just going to be such an entertaining team to watch and follow yeah. that even if they're not 
because I don't think they're going to be around that 50 win mark. I think they'll be more around like 44, 45 wins. But even so, people are going to tune in night in, night out to watch the Lakers. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, that that's that's what happens when you have LeBron on your roster. But I think there's more to that. There's, there's more to this team than just LeBron. It's not like the Cavs of last year that, you know, looking at them now, without LeBron, they're one of the most dull teams in the league. I think there's there's a storyline there, um, both off the court and on the court. And I think that everyone's kind of rooting for this this young core of, of Lakers players. Maybe not Lonzo, because a lot of people, you know, hate Lonzo. Yeah. But Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart are two of my, like, favorite young players in the league. Um, and I think we've already seen tremendous growth from, from the two of them. Literally looking at preseason, they look like, you know, seasoned players. Um, I think Josh Hart's taking a lot of the responsibility uh, on both ends of the court, which I think will, will be incredibly interesting to see. Um, and yeah, like I have them quite high. I know other people don't. Um, it'll be, I think it's really dependent on injuries, of course, as every other, you know, every other team is, especially the amount of veterans they have. Um, but yeah, they're a team to look out for. I think there'll be loads of close games. Um, that, you know, it's maybe that inexperience from the younger players or the fatigue from the older players that we'll see in the latter game, latter stages of, of different games. Um, but they'll be fun. They'll be fun for sure. They will be. Moving on to the Phoenix Suns. So 10 days before the season started, they fired general manager Ryan McDonough. The Suns are in such a weird spot. They're not a good team. They don't even have a starting point guard unless you want to start Elie Okobo or DeAnthony Melton. That's the only thing they have to do now. I mean, it's the, they don't have an option. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, getting rid of... Uh, we, we spoke about this earlier. Getting rid of Tyler Ulis. Who would have thought that getting rid of Tyler Ulis would be such a season-impacting decision? I mean, yeah. you have an angry Devin Booker who's about to sign a new contract, but an angry Devin... An angry and injured Devin Booker. Yeah. Sorry. You know, they're, they're very good friends. I think that would have changed the locker room mentality a little bit. They have, you know, right now they're going to the season with a backcourt of Elliot Kobo and Troy Daniels. That's not good. I mean... It's not ideal. This team isn't a team that's destined to win this year. Yeah. This is this is a rebuilding year. They're trying to develop DeAndre Ayton, make the chemistry between him and Devin Booker yeah. great. And then next year they'll be vying for a top spot. So maybe they can get one of those, like prime prospects that are coming into the draft next year. Definitely. I mean, Aiden's been great so far. He has been. He's been putting up huge numbers, yeah. but it's also like he's the only guy that can do anything. Like, I don't want to take away from guys like TJ Warren or Josh Jackson, but he's their offense. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind him having a taste of what it's like to be the guy in a franchise so early on. I mean, they're going to him for pretty much every, literally every play. They're, they're going straight to Aiden. I mean, one of the games was a huge loss against the, the Blazers, but the guy had 19 and 14 in his second NBA game. Yeah. That's incredibly impressive. You know, no matter how long he played and, and how many times he got the ball, 19 and 14, being so aggressive on the glass is, is amazing. And in the game before, 24 and 9. He's going to be a star. I think that the, the Doncic hype train is kind of putting him away from the spotlight in a sense. You know, people are kind of forgetting he's the number one pick. Because there's so much, you know, talk about Doncic and how how he's going to impact the league, um, which I think might actually help him. I, yeah. I don't think we've seen many number one picks, you know, the last few years that don't have the spotlight on them as much, um, and especially in a situation that there's no stress to win, especially in the first few weeks. Aiton, I think, will really reap the benefits of, of the situation he's in. No, I completely agree. This is just going to be a time for him to really learn how to play in the NBA night in and night out, and how to lead a team. 
Yeah. And so there's going to be a bunch of games where he's in there in the last few minutes of the game, and it'll be a close game, and he's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands every time. Like They're going to feed him in the low block, and he's going to have to go to work. And I think that's going to be great for his development. Definitely. Because if he doesn't have it already, he will develop that winning gene. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I'm kind of worried about is the players around him at the end of the day. Like, how much is he learning from Ryan Anderson or TJ Warren? You know, these kind of veterans. Like, But he does have Tyson Chandler. He has Tyson Chandler, who's one of the best defensive centers to ever play in the NBA. Definitely. So having him on that roster, because Aiton, last year in college, he was playing the four. He wasn't playing the five. So having this guy who's one of the best living defensive centers to play in the NBA on your roster, that'll help his defensive ability develop so much faster than it would have otherwise. I'm excited to see him shoot. shoot oh, yeah. Well, that's going to be incredibly interesting, I think, to see him, like, you know, the pick and roll with Eliakobo. <laughs> Again, I keep mentioning it and I keep laughing, but the pick and roll with Eliakobo. And then Booker going into the, you know, latter stages of the season, I think will be really, inter- really interesting to see how much he really gets the ball outside the paint because um, we saw a lot of that in Arizona. Um, so I want to see how, how that will transition to the NBA. Yeah, I agree. Moving on. Luka Doncic, number three pick, has looked incredible, honestly, in his few preseason games with Dallas. Yeah. Um, Are we honestly underrating the Mavericks this year after what we've seen in the preseason? I want to say yes. Um, I think they might just be an eighth seed. Um, I think they have skill around Doncic that he's only going to improve, you know, individually and the players around him. He'll he'll definitely, I think, as, as the course of the season goes on, I think you'll see improvement on all all factors of that team um going you know looking at preseason had a few big wins and you know they, they beat the Sixers over in China looking at Doncic's numbers I think if you take it for face value you'll see an average performance but the guy's really making the players around him look incredible yeah. and I think Rick Carlisle is really building um a good kind of team bond and also a team system for Doncic going forward no, I, I mean, I've always been high on Doncic. Like, I thought that he should have been the number one pick. I don't want to take anything away from Aiton because yeah. I saw this guy play at Arizona. Since yeah. I'm a Utah fan, I watched a ton of his games. Of course. And the guy is incredible. But Doncic just has the experience, and he's played at the highest level overseas. And now he's going to come in and be a day one starter on a Mavericks team where he's got pieces around him. This guy's going to – I think he's going to develop quicker than Aiton will just because he already has the experience and he's got the pieces around him to really push himself. Definitely. Like, teaming him with Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Ayton, or not DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre <laughs> Jordan, uh, this, like, that's a very solid big three. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's going to make DeAndre Jordan a whole lot better, like we were talking about earlier. DeAndre Jordan will go back to looking like what he did when Chris Paul first came over to I the agree. Clippers. I agree. Like, Doncic is a great facilitator, and when he, when there's not options for him to pass the ball to other guys and set up guys for great shots, he can score. Yeah, and I mean he's very transitional as a player as well. He can play, a you know myriad of different positions. I think you play the two, three, not the four yet. But maybe, if he if he keeps you know, developing and yeah, like getting stronger, then definitely. he could. And if we see a backcourt of Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic, you know there's something to get excited about for sure. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, th- this team, again, we keep saying fun. I think we're picking the fun teams to talk about. But this team is going to be one of the most interesting teams to follow. Just in terms of the development of Doncic as a player, because I really have him up as, like, an all-star in the coming seasons, for sure. Um, but also the way this team will gel. You know, the mix of the veterans and the young guns and, and how 
they're really going to build, you know, under the guidance of one of the best coaches in the NBA, how they're going to build a, a, you know, a team that will definitely be a force to be reckoned with in the coming seasons. A few weeks ago when we were doing our Western Conference over-unders, I had the Mavericks on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Yeah. But now I could see them sneaking into a 7 or 8 seed. And part of that is because the Spurs have gone through so much trouble with their injuries. I mean, Lonnie Walker went down. Uh, DeJounte Murray went down. Now Derek White's out for at least two months. This team has gone through just hell on the injury front. Now I really can't see them making the playoffs, which is just devastating to say, yeah. considering that these guys have made the playoffs for 22 straight seasons. I think that's the number, 22. Yeah. Like, I just feel so bad. And like now the big three of Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, they're all not in San Antonio yeah. anymore since Parker went and signed with uh, Charlotte. But this, I think this is the start. This is the end of the Spurs dynasty sure. that we grew up with. And then it's going to take some time, but in a few years, it'll be the beginning of the new Spurs dynasty yeah. with Murray and Walker and those guys. I mean, I think it's tough to rule them out right away because they still have some, you know, kind of unbelievable pieces that other franchises would have only dreamed that they could have, you know, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, even like a Patty Mills just for the locker room. You know, I think he's the longest serving player on the Spurs right now, yeah, if is. I'm not mistaken. Um you know, him is like a mentor to the new backcourt that they're trying to build, albeit they're all, fuck, you know, they're all injured right now. Um, but th there's still something to build around, you know, Rudy Gay, you have Marco Bellinelli, which is an addition that I love. I mean, I, I like the way he's played towards the end of last season with the Sixers. He's a huge guy, a go-to guy, even in the playoff series, you know, that, that three that we saw against <laughs> the Celtics with the confetti falling down, which is one of my favorite moments of the season, by the way. Um, there's some I, I I wouldn't go as far as saying the rebuilding or this is the end of the dynasty because I think that there's there's something there and there's once these young players come back, you know, I'm huge on DeJounte Murray, I'm huge on Lonnie Walker, and I think they'll have a lot to learn from these veterans. Um as long as they can cope with the first few weeks of the season or the first few months of the season we, as we've seen with the injuries, I think we're gonna see a good Spurs team going to the next season even. Oh yeah, next season this team will be fine. Yeah. It's just this season just their point guard is now so depleted. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take away anything from Patty Mills because I love Patty Mills. Mm -hmm. But I I was confident that this team would make the playoffs when they had DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills back him up. And then DeJounte Murray went down. And then I thought, okay, Patty Mills can be the starter. And Derek White is a solid backup. Like Derek White, I saw him play at Colorado and this yeah. guy was solid. And he put in work last year in the G League. And in summer league, he looked really solid. Yeah. But now with him down, I don't know who's going to be the backup point guard. It yeah. could be Bryn Forbes, but mm. Forbes is more of a two guard. I mean, Forbes plays with a ton of fire, and I like the way he plays. I just don't know if he's the guy that can run that second unit. I bet they're regretting getting rid of uh, Danny Green now. Yeah. Jeez, they, if they look back on that, like that could have made stuff a lot easier, I think, for um for the Spurs. But they, I mean... DeMar DeRozan and DeMarcus Aldridge. Like, we can't forget that. They're no, going to they, be teams. They have a solid core yeah. on their starting lineup. It's just now that their depth, their depth is, is so depleted. True. I can't see them going into the playoffs strong. True. If they make the playoffs, it's going to be skating by on the skins of their teeth. Yeah. And, and making that eight seed over yeah. somebody. Yeah. yeah. And then losing to the Warriors or to Oklahoma City or yeah. somebody Whoever, in the first yeah. round. Definitely. All right. So now let's move on. Move ahead to the Eastern Conference. 
start with the Celtics. Kyrie Irving has allegedly committed long-term to the Celtics, saying that he wants to re-sign after the season. What do you think about that? I mean, all right. If I were a Celtics fan, I would be incredibly happy. Oh, I yeah. mean, look at... I mean, just going in front of your home crowd, announcing that you're here to stay, getting that reception from the Celtics faithful. I mean, it, it's incredible. There's nothing There's nothing more you want from your, you know, your superstar. Logistically, though... I don't see how it makes sense. You know, him signing a long-term deal next year, which I, I, I mean, unless he signs like a one plus one like Durant's doing, which I'm not sure Danny Ainge would love, um, but he might not have an option. You know, they have so many players that they want to keep. There's the, all these trade rumors of Anthony Davis trying to come in. If they're trying to build this team, you know, there's, there's a cap. <laughs> they have to remember there's an NBA salary cap. Um, I don't think it really makes sense. And with so many teams going to be vying for him and, and happy to give him like super max deals, whatever, like five-year deals of 35 plus million. Like I, I think that there's definitely, um, we're going to see a very interesting free agency, I think. Uh, but you know, you know how high I am on the Celtics this season. Um, we don't need to talk about it anymore because I've spoken way too much about the Celtics, but uh, Kyrie, I mean, let's see. That's all I have to say. Let's see. Yeah. If I'm Brad Stevens, I'm happy that my best player is saying, yeah. I want to stay. The fact that he wants to be there, I think, is huge. But I'm also going to be very cautious with it and make sure to keep him happy all season. Definitely. Because Kyrie, for a lot of years in Cleveland, was happy. Yeah. And then seemingly out of the blue, declared that he wanted gone. That he wanted to be traded. So... Kyrie is kind of a volatile guy, especially like with his money and everything and what he wants to do. So if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm just trying to keep him happy and making sure that you're getting the most out of him night in and night out. And that you're just constantly reassuring him that Boston's the place that he wants to be. But it does put Boston in kind of a tough position. I mean, yeah, the salary cap is just going to keep going up and up and up over the coming years. So that does help Boston considering they have so many young guys that they're going to have to eventually re-sign to bigger contracts. Yeah. But it's going to be tough because if they sign Kyrie to that max deal, then that puts them in kind of a bind if they want to get Anthony Davis or if they want Which I think most teams and most front offices are thinking that Anthony Davis and big man basketball is the way to go going into the next five, 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I think there'll, there'll be a huge emphasis on trying to get him. But then if they do get Anthony Davis and decide to re-sign Kyrie once the yeah. season's done, then what do you do with Jalen Brown and all the, all the young Jason guys that Tatum, they have? Yeah, Tatum. Even Terry Rozier. Yeah. I mean, the guy's, the guy's so crucial, I think, to the Celtics lineup. And the, well, not the lineup, not the actual lineup, but the, you know, the roster and the rotation. Um, I think the the thing we should probably take out of this and the the main the main important detail of this is how well that front office is doing in Boston. You know, the fact that Kyrie, probably the most sought after player in the league going into next year's free agency, comes out and says, I'm here to stay is huge. And they're definitely keeping him happy and they're keeping the rest of the guys happy as well. They they they're all committed to this desire to you know knock the Warriors off and win a championship bring it back to Boston I think that they're they're willing to sacrifice money time everything literally we're forgetting they have more all-stars on the team as well you know they have Gordon Hayward to pay eventually um 
yeah, so I'm, I'm obviously high on them on the court, but then just praising them off the court as well and the, the work the front office has done to build this roster. But now I think the, the real challenge is to keep them happy. Not yeah. just make them happy, but keep them happy in the long term. Moving on to a team that has no all-stars, Jesus. the New York Knicks. Um, Knicks honestly haven't looked horrible in preseason. Yeah. Knox, Kevin Knox looks pretty good. Uh, Frank Nilakina has shown flashes of being good. We're saying this so timidly. Well, like, it's tough. It's because so tough. They're not, they're not a good team. <laughs> yeah. And like, nothing is going to really happen that's great yeah. for the Knicks this year. Like, they're really hoping that Kyrie kind of goes back on his word and wants to leave, wants to come to New York next yeah. offseason. I mean, we know what they're trying to do with yeah. these one-year deals. We know they're trying to completely revamp that roster. Um, but, you know, looking at the preseason, they won a couple games. Kevin Knox, I think up and down is the way to describe it. Um, some games he looked like, you know, a 10-year vet, like playing unbelievable basketball. Other games, you know, the same day the Yankees lost 16-1 to the Red Sox, we saw a 2-9 performance. I think he was like minus 15 in the plus minus as well, um, which, and he had the most minutes as well. Uh, so is you know, it's tough to see. Um I'm quite high on him mainly because of his age and what he's shown, you know, I, I think he's still 18 or he might be 19 now. Um, but, you know, Knox is, I'd love the pick. Uh, and I think they're starting to build around going into next year because I think we'll see a completely different roster as, as from what we're seeing now. You know, Frank will stay, Knox will stay, Porzingis will stay, and then the rest is completely up in the air. Yeah. Um, it sucks that Porzingis won't be playing. Yeah, I you know you know we live in New York. We're gonna go watch the Knicks, so it's it's kind of disappointing to to go pay you know hundred dollars for a ticket of a team that's not vying whatsoever, and we know that the roster is gonna be completely different going into the future. Um, but you know Fizz is a great coach, and I think he's trying to keep the guys happy because you know they're not stupid; they know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but they get to play in New York for a year, so everyone's happy. Yeah. The one thing that I'm not happy about is. Mitchell Robinson, yeah, he's been incredibly disappointing, and I think I mean a lot of that is he didn't play he didn't play basketball last year. He wasn't playing in college. Uh, took the year off to just train for the NBA, and he's rusty. I think one one thing we can say about him is he got balls. I mean, he went up against Markeith Morris, one of the scariest guys in the league, he in did. his debut. Yeah, like jeez, they they were fighting on the court. They were you know getting in each other's faces, getting like. Mouthing each other off is is hilarious. Great I just, to see. I haven't been impressed with the way he's been playing. No, definitely. Um, yeah. He's... I thought that the strongest part about him was going to be his physicality and the fact that he can, like, body up some of the bigger guys in the NBA and, mm-hmm. like, be annoying and pesky on defense. And he hasn't shown that. He's been pushed around. Uh, and offensively, he's looking a lot like Clint Capella where he can't really do anything except dunk. So I've just been unimpressed especially just because a guy that can only dunk yeah. isn't what the Knicks are looking for not at all like they're not they're not a team with two guys that can set him up for those dunks I mean the guys running the point are Frank and Trey Burke I mean you can throw Moutier in there but Moutier is honestly mm. human garbage so <laughs> <laughs> I mean going back to people that we thought can only dunk you know going back to the Celtics really quickly I've been kind of impressed with Robert Williams um I think he's shown the physicality that it takes, what we, we knew that was going to happen. But, you know, he looks a great teammate um, more than anything. And I think he's, he's you know, passing the ball as he should be. He's he's up in guys' faces and he's, he's really showing the physicality that, you know, we were expecting to see. And even though he won't get many minutes, uh, you know, we talked about this, he's not going to see the court too much. Um, he's a good player. 
He's yeah. definitely a good player and, a, and a, nice, a nice pick to pick kind of late in the draft as well. No, he was a definite steal at whatever he was taking, yeah. 27th. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. They have not looked bad in preseason. No, not real. They've looked pretty good. Are people underestimating them? Do you think they can go over their projected win total? Um, I had them at over before, you know, when we did the, the over-under podcast. Then Laurie went down. Then I wasn't so sure. But now, you know... Again, we can't take this preseason into too much consideration and use it as too much of a of a factor. But I still think they'll be a decent team. Um, I think they're going to be a, t- a team that will, you know, will. I told this. I told this to Joey earlier. We're going to look at, you know, the CBS. We're, we're never going to watch them. We're not yeah. going to watch them. Uh, but we're definitely going to keep an eye on them. Um, you know, we're going to look at on our apps and see. Oh, uh, they beat the Pistons or they beat the Heat. You know, they're going to go two and two, as you said, with these these kind of lower level teams that are trying to make the playoffs. And I think that they might just sneak up there and be like a ninth or maybe an eight seed. We'll see. No, I think they have a shot. I mean, the biggest thing is injuries. Yeah. But I mean, guys like Zach Levine and all their like big name players have all had serious like ACL injuries and all that. So if, those guys can stay healthy and stay on the court together. Like yeah. him and Jabari. Jabari's looked really good. He looks like a leader, man. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And honestly, like, I know it's come out, like he said, like he's not being paid to play defense. He doesn't really care about defense. But his defense hasn't looked half bad. No, of course. Like this team, if they can stay on the court together, there's a team that can string together, I'd say around like 42, 43 wins. In the East, that's good enough for yeah. six, seven, I mean, that's their ceiling, though. You yeah, have to say that. No, that is their ceiling. Yeah. I mean, this is not a team that's going to win 50 games. It's not no, a team... Of course not. Like, it's going to be around 40 wins for the season. Yeah. But if they can steal some against the upper-level teams in the East, like the Celtics... Like, I feel like if they can steal one or two games against the top three seeds in the East, this is a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like seeing Jabari as the guy right now. Um, I think that, the, you know, the one-plus-one deal that they gave him with a team option doesn't impose too much of a risk because, I mean, who else are they going to spend the money on yeah. you know, in this free agency? Um, it's a very young team, as we've spoken about, so I think you know we're going to see the inexperience kind of kick in around the, the slump period of you know the February, just before the All-Star break. Um, but, you know, they're a good team. I mean, they have some undoubted skill on every pretty much every position. I, I'm a little worried about their depth and their veterans, you know, not the best players, put it yeah. that way. Um, but I think, you know, they're, they're definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yeah. I mean, I was watching him play the Pacers, who I'm very high on yeah. a few nights ago. Yeah. And they absolutely demolished the Pacers on every level. And the Pacers were playing their starters. The starters were getting the most of their minutes. And the Bulls, like, far and away looked like the better team. I mean, beat them 104 to 89. Bobby Portis went off. Justin Holiday went off. Like, this is going to be a solid team if the injury bug doesn't hit them. Definitely. Moving on to a team that I know you're really high on, yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Giannis, he's my pick for MVP. I think he's mine now, too, as well. The guy looks incredible. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. The guy's just, I mean, he's a freak. He's the Greek freak. He's incredible. Milwaukee, I honestly think, is a team to be messed with in the East. Definitely. I mean, this new system we're developing of big, bad basketball, essentially under Budenholzer, but not slow basketball. You know, we've seen insane efficiency rates from them. The speed of the game that they're playing is also, you know, incredible. They're finding Giannis in the post. Um, They're playing 
I, I love the lineup when they play Ilyasova, Lopez, and Giannis, and then have Brook Lopez and Ilyasova on the wings and Giannis in the middle. I mean, that's that's going to be incredible to look for because I think that really changed. We haven't really seen that kind of brand of basketball of having your two big guys on the wings and your playmaker in the middle. It doesn't really happen too often, especially in the last like 10 years or so in the way basketball's transitioned. Um, but Giannis, I mean, he's it's kind of reminiscent of that 2014 KD season where all we saw was KD in the gym. He was quiet, wasn't saying anything. He was just working on his game. He wanted to be that MVP. Giannis is doing the same thing now. You know, we haven't seen anything from him. You know, there's the whole Nike campaign, but we haven't heard anything about that in a while because the guy's just locking himself in the in the in the locker in the the weights locker room and the gym. That's all he's doing, and I think he's really trying to make this Bucks team the team. Uh, and and you know, having Mike Budenholzer as your coach as well, he's given him all the confidence. You know, Giannis has come out and said that. He knows that Mike, Mike told him, or Boonholzer, sorry, Mike, <laughs> Jesus, uh, told him that he's the guy. He knows he can perform. He knows he can score on anyone in the league, but it's a matter of making the players around him better, um, which I think we'll see this connection with Ilya Sova and with Brooke Lopez. And then looking at Chris Middleton as well, the guy's in a contract season. He's one of my favorite sort of just sub all-star level uh and i think that he could become an all-star this season depending on how the bucks actually do which i, I i'm as i've said incre- as, as you guys can hear i'm incredibly high on them um and i think we might even see them play the, uh might even see middleton play the two i could see it yeah which could be kind of interesting you know the shooting um and this big man kind of basketball but very it's a different kind of big man basketball as i've said no it's gonna be it's they're gonna be a super tough team to match up against yeah. just because they are all big i mean if you look at their starting five, and let's just say Middleton does play the two. You have yeah. Bledsoe, who's not especially tall, but he's Huge. a massive man. Yeah. Then you have Middleton at the two, and he's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, that creates matchup problems. Then you have Giannis playing the three, who's just a freak, as I've said. Then you have Brooke Lopez at the five and Ilyasova at the four. That's a lengthy team, and any everyone except really Giannis can yeah. shoot. Yeah. And even, I mean, he's been popping threes as well in yeah. the preseason. So, I, I mean, I think that's definitely a part of the game that he's been working on that Brunholzer has told him, you know, you have to crack this down because once he does get that three, if people have to push up on him to guard, yeah, I mean, he's, he's gone. He's gone. The guy's turning into a better LeBron James. That are, that's <laughs> that's crazy to say. but No, that, that, is, yeah. that is his ceiling. Yeah, definitely. He's got all the physical tools to be the best player that basketball's ever seen. Yeah, and having the support from Kobe as well, you know, in the offseason, I think he's been the guy that's been training in the most. Um, so just having that and having the support from, you know, one of the best shooters of all time uh, is gonna, you know, is, is incredible for him. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that this is the year that he'll fulfill that challenge that Kobe issued to him. Kobe said, be the MVP. And I think that this year, if it all goes according to plan, he will be the MVP. And I think that because he'll have such an incredible season – the Bucks will be looking up at maybe a top three, top two seed in the East. All right, moving on now to the Heat. Uh, it's looking less and less likely that they're going to be able to land Jimmy Butler. Which I'm fine with. Yeah. Which I'm completely fine with. I mean, the reported deal that was out there was Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, and a pick. And a protected pick as well. Um, so, looking at preseason, I mean, two of the best players that we've seen have been Bam Adebayo and Josh Richardson. Uh, they, you know, even though the results haven't been there, Miami have lost kind of a couple. I think they lost, they went one and three, I'm pretty sure, in preseason. 
Um, so the results haven't been there, but the performance has definitely been there. I mean, I've most been impressed with Hassan, personally, Hassan Whiteside. He's definitely lost a lot of weight in the offseason. He's, you know, he's posting on Snapchat a lot less. I think he's in the gym a lot more, even though he has someone filming him every time he's in the gym, which is hilarious. Um, I think his koi fish pond has definitely spoken to him, and he's lost, I mean, definitely around 220 pounds, I would say, um, and looks a lot thinner, and his vertical's definitely improved. He's getting those boards again. He looks like a guy that cares about his basketball again, um, you know, when compared to the end of last season where he fell out with Spolstra, he fell out with Pat Riley, and didn't look the player that he was, essentially. Um, we, we've seen incredible efficiency from Bam. Josh Richardson looks like an ideal 2-3 kind of player. Um, even Rodney Magruder coming back from his injury looks great. I mean, he's nailing his threes. Uh, and we have this young gun, Duncan Robinson, which I think will be the spot up shooter you're going to see. I mean, he'll get he'll he'll see like eight minutes on the court per night, but he's gonna hit the threes, and I think you know he's a very interesting player to look out for. Another guy that I'm just gonna mention, Jarnell Stokes. The guy's huge. He's bullying people all over the court. I mean, he's gonna see like two minutes a week, maybe. Uh, but he's a fun guy. He's a fun player. Uh, so I'm not as down on the heat as I was a couple of weeks ago. Again, we have to take this preseason performance with a grain of salt, with a pinch of salt. Um, but they're going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be a, like, you know, we're not really pushing for much, maybe an eighth seed. Um, but yeah, we're going to be a fun team to watch. I don't think that Drogic is going to have the season that he did last no, year. No, I don't no. think he'll have an all-star. He's definitely on the way down. Yeah. Think, yeah. I mean, he's getting up there. He's older now. Yeah. I don't think he'll have an all-star caliber season, but he'll do enough to lead this Miami team. I mean, he is a great locker room guy. And if Whiteside can keep up like his dedication that he's had over the offseason uh this team is a team to be reckoned with in the east now they're not going to be one of the top five top six maybe even top seven teams in the east but they'll put in work so i don't think it needs any reminder nope. but the nba is back on tuesday and there's some good games in the first week i mean obviously warriors thunder celtic sixers but we thought that we'd Give you guys some games that you should be on the lookout for in this first week of basketball. Uh, so the first one that I have is uh, on the 17th, New Orleans and Houston. Crazy. Game. Uh, at 8 o'clock Eastern time. It's going to be a good game. It's the first look at uh, the new Houston without Mbamute and Trevor Ariza and adding Carmelo. Uh, Houston's going to be a fun team to watch all year. They're going to be a super intriguing team. There's going to be a bunch of stories around them, especially considering that a lot of people think that if Chris Paul would have been healthy at the end of the year last year, they would have been the ones to defeat the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals and then won the NBA championship. So this is going to be kind of a redemption year for them mm -hmm. to prove that they are a serious title contender. And they're getting they're going to get off to a difficult start, especially against New Orleans. Yeah. Anthony Davis was a top five player in the NBA. And New Orleans isn't going to be a bad team this year. They've got some pieces. Yeah, they lost to Marcus, but they're going to be a solid team. It'll be a really good game. And then on the 20th, uh, we have Suns Nuggets. Uh, I'm high on both these teams. I mean, I'm not high on the Suns, but they'll be an entertaining yeah, team to watch. Definitely. Uh, I just, Aiton's going to, it's going to be a really good matchup between Aiton and Jokic, especially because you'll really see if Aiton has any serious liabilities on defense. Because Joe, if he does, Jokic will expose him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty funny, you know, my two games. One of them is the Suns as well. Um, 17th of October, I'm pretty sure it's a 10.30 and it's live on ESPN as well. So you guys can definitely watch it. 
Um, the Suns are taking off the Mavs, so we have Aiton against Doncic, which I think we were missing. We were hoping Doncic would show up to Summer League when they played each other. I think there was a first game there as well, um, but unfortunately they didn't. So this will be the first chance to see this Doncic versus Aiton rivalry that I think we'll, we'll see over the course of the season. It's going to be a rivalry all year, especially yeah. cons- these are probably going to be, if they stay healthy and yeah. live up to their potential, these will be the front runners for Rookie of the Year. Definitely. Um, so, you know... It'll be great to see Doncic's NBA debut. Uh, I think everyone wants, everyone's looking forward to that, and and to be to come across kind of a backcourt as weak as the Suns. You know, we might see some exposing of the Suns by Doncic will be incredible to see. But then on the other hand, like that that Aiton DeAndre Jordan matchup is going to be really interesting as well. Um, and then my second game is the Pacers Bucks on the nineteenth of October. As I said, I'm insanely high on the Bucks, um, and I think they might just rip apart the Pacers, just because of the physicality that we've shown, that they've shown, um, and the Pacers just don't look ready for the season. They I don't. think we were going to talk about that, um, but they really, they're, they're just not there. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, the size isn't there, the chemistry isn't there yet. They're probably one of the worst, you know, they, they performed as one of the worst teams, I think, um, over the course of the preseason, so catching the Bucks in the first week is less than ideal for them. Um, and I think there'll be a great game to see kind of Giannis really kick off this MVP hunt. That's it for this episode of the 11 Percenters podcast. Ankit and Bobby will be back to join Johnny and I next week to recap the first week of NBA action. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at 11 Percenters. The NBA is back, y'all. Peace. Thank you.